Hey guys, welcome to another episode of our podcast. I'm Nick. And I'm Bill. And this is Justin. Last episode, you heard Seth and Christian discuss the personification of the natural environment as it relates to the gods. For this episode, we will be exploring the topic of labor in the classical world and how ancient Romans' perception of labor is different from our current perspective as Americans. More specifically, we will be analyzing Virgil's portrayal of labor in his poem, The Georgics. The name Virgil may sound familiar because he wrote the Aeneid, but Virgil also wrote the Georgics, which was written in the midst of a Roman civil war, and we think his audience might have been wealthy Romans. We know this because it is written in poetry and not in prose. Poetry is harder to understand, so only educated Romans would have been reading this, and education and wealth went hand in hand in the ancient world. Also, the poem has multiple books, and making books was very expensive. So rich Romans would be reading it too, and these people certainly weren't farmers. I think that this suggests that the Georgics weren't meant to be read as a specific manual, but rather to teach us about some greater aspects of the human experience. So let's take a closer look at Virgil's view of labor. In the first Georgic, Virgil explains that Jupiter made it so that humans had to work. You would think that work has a positive connotation to it, because it is the result of Jupiter's actions. He is the Roman equivalent to Zeus, so he's the leader of all the other gods. He is the all-powerful god of the sky who hurls lightning bolts at his enemies. So what he says goes. What he creates should be good for the Romans. But I don't think labor is such a good thing in the Georgics. I mean, Virgil writes that everything was toil, relentless toil urged on by need. The word relentless doesn't really have a positive translation. Also, he says that they work because they need to work. The original Latin writing of this phrase is labor omnia vicit, which roughly translates to labor conquers all. This portrays work as conquering your life, just so that you can obtain the basic necessities. There's no room for anything pleasurable, but people just work all day long so that they can just simply survive. This is not like our view of labor today, where we believe that through hard work, you can be successful and get to enjoy the better things in life. Hey, hold on, Justin. I don't think labor is so negatively portrayed in the Georgics. Just take a look at the fourth Georgic, where an old man takes a plot of land nobody wanted. I mean, this land was awful. Through his hard work, he plants trees, flowers, vegetables, and even his bees produce rich honey. He was the first to get to the markets every morning. He really took initiative in his work to make something out of nothing. Virgil even writes that this old man, quote, made a happiness that was equal to the happiness of kings. I think the fact that Virgil includes that this man was old is extremely important. He's showing us that if an old man could do all this work and have it be beneficial for him, then everyone should be able to do the same. I mean, think about it. Imagine if you saw an old man working really hard today. You would think that you should be able to do the same work and possibly even produce greater results than him. The story about this old man is great and all, but Virgil doesn't give us the complete picture of this old man's success. He writes that the man's story was simply too long to cover within this poem. But what if this man's success took a turn for the worse? It could happen, you know. For example, in the fourth Georgic, we see bees dying of a sickness. And in the third Georgic, there's cattle dying from disease. These are natural events that could destroy the farm of even the hardest working man. Yeah, I remember that scene from the third Georgic with the dying bull. Virgil writes, what was the use of all that work he did? He follows this by stating that the bull never got to enjoy his work. The bull never drank any good wine, nor did he have any good banquets. He only ate grass and drank from the streams. 
seems like the Bulls' work was worthless and that he didn't get to enjoy the results of his work. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't enjoy that kind of life. You know, Billy, I think you're actually wrong about the Bulls' life. I think he enjoys his life. For example, Virgil writes that no care disturbed their peaceful sleep at night when talking about the Bulls. And what if the Bull likes to only eat from the grass and drink from the stream? It seems that he just wants to work during the day and get to rest at night. He leads a pretty peaceful lifestyle. In fact, Virgil celebrates life in the countryside. In the second Georgics, he writes, Oh, greatly fortunate farmers, if only they knew how lucky they are. Far from the battlefield, earth brings forth from herself an ample justice, the simple means of life simply enjoyed. Here, Virgil is saying that farmers just work the land and they get to benefit from working the land, that the earth provides them with everything they need. Similarly, the bulls just drink from the stream and they eat the grass and the earth provides them what they need. I think this is a positive portrayal of the bull's life. I hear where you're coming from, Justin, but I disagree. Even though the bull leads a peaceful life, and though he might be content, he lives an unfulfilled life. The bull just goes through life and doesn't question anything. His life is entirely consumed by work. His work does not lead to any true improvement of his life. He's just satisfied with the status quo. He has no concept about the pleasure of life, like arts, like music, and anything that we take for granted and enjoy. He knows nothing outside of pulling a plowshare and eating. He has no contact with the world outside of his work. He is not leading what we today would consider a happy life. I think the bull is a great example of showing how Virgil thought about labor. Bulls had a very significant place in antiquity, as they were a valuable part of a farm. I mean, it was much easier for a bull to pull a plow than some farmer. And with a bull and a cow, you can breed them and have a huge herd of cattle. Bulls were so important that they had a sacred place in antiquity. For example, in the 4th Georgic, Virgil describes a ritual called the begonia. Justin, can you give us some insight on this ancient practice? Yeah, sure, Nick. I mean, the begonia was a very gruesome ritual. It involved taking a bull to a little hut, and you'd place the living bull in the hut, and you would beat it to death until its insides pretty much liquefied. Then bees would miraculously appear out of the dead body of the bull. I mean, this suggests that the bull is somehow sacred in of itself. This also means that the bull is very important. Therefore, Virgil's description of the bull's labor as being somehow useless and not productive suggests that we should view all labor in the book this way. You know, Justin... I think you're on to something. You say labor for animals is not beneficial, but what about men? I think Virgil gives us a concrete example of where a man works really hard, but one simple mistake destroys all of his work. For example, in the fourth Georgic, the story of Orpheus shows us this. Hey, remind me about the story. Sure, Bill. Orpheus's wife was killed by a snake, and she went to the underworld after she died. Orpheus loved his wife so much that he takes the long, arduous trek down into the underworld. I mean, this must have been a really scary trip. He would have saw spirits, the three-headed dog Cerberus. I think he would have been completely spooked out. But he ultimately convinced the goddess Proserpina to let Eurydice return back to the world of the living. However, the one condition of their deal was that Eurydice must follow Orpheus out of the underworld, and that Orpheus could not look back at her. Yeah, Justin. Orpheus had to work really hard to resist the temptation to look back at his wife. But at the last second, he screws up, looks back at Eurydice, and she's dragged back to the underworld. All of his work was ultimately for nothing because of one simple mistake. Virgil even writes that his labor spilled over and flowed away like water. 
So Virgil shows us once again that one's life can be consumed by labor and yet still produce no benefits for that individual. But Nick, Orpheus's labor does produce some benefits for him. For example, he gets the momentary benefit from when he goes down into the underworld. He gains courage and he becomes very brave. I mean, sure, he gets this momentary benefit, but he also gets the everlasting punishment of death. Like, he's dead, Justin. He doesn't exist anymore. And this is all a result of his failed labors, because after Eurydice is returned to the underworld, he goes to the mountain, he grieves, and he's ultimately killed. So did the uh, temporary benefits he gained from the trip outweigh him dying? Okay, Nick, you raised some good points about Orpheus and labor. But how do all these examples of labor in the Georgics relate to our own modern views? You know, Justin, I think this has to do with the notion of the American dream. In America, we hold the beliefs of hard work and competition in a sacred light. In society today, we want to compete against our neighbor in order to gain a higher salary so we can achieve greater benefits. These benefits could include vacations, being able to watch TVs, movies, or plays, or even the possibility of reading literature from anywhere in the world. Labor in our world today provides us a greater opportunity for pleasure than it did for those living in the ancient world. Billy, you do a good job of explaining the American dream, but what about the American reality? There are people who work 80 hours a week at multiple jobs, only to obtain the bare necessities like food, rent, and utilities. This is not so unlike the reality of the farmers of the Georgics, who work just to survive. But I do agree with the idea of the American dream. In America, we believe that a janitor can one day become a CEO. But in Roman times, a farmer could not one day become the emperor. While the American dream is different from the Roman dream, the realities are not so different in that labor for both Americans and Romans can be subjected to chance. In other words, labor can lead to success and labor can lead to failure. Overall, it's a mixed bag when it comes to labor. In the ancient world, it increases your chance of success, but it did not promise any rewards. But in the modern world, labor is seen as a means to a life of fulfillment. If you work hard enough, you will be happy. That's all we have for you today, folks. We hope you have enjoyed listening to our podcast. We loved making it, and we hope you loved listening to us just as much. We hope our podcast changed the way you looked at labor in antiquity and in your own life today. Thank you very much, and remember, labor omnia winket.